You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Advanced Track, helping you as an accountant confidently choose between outsourcing and offshoring. Rob Brown here with a talent in accounting special here on the Accounting Influencers Podcast Network. Thrilled to have with me today a recruitment specialist from Wade McDonald. We're going to hear all about Chris Golding. But Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Chris, you specialise in the accounting and finance sector. Give us a little bit about your background. So I joined a major recruiter um, in the UK when I was just 21 years of age. So I've now spent, sadly, over half my life in this profession. It's quite rare people stay in it for that long. It's a brutal profession, isn't it? I think it's one that once you're stuck in, you're stuck in, Rob. But yeah, no, obviously it's because we love it so much. But <laughs> for 19 years in, in my first company, uh, moved through lots of different director roles. Um, and then about six years ago, I moved to uh, more of an SME in Wade McDonald, um, who gave me the opportunity to become managing director. So um, we've been around about 32, 33 years now. Um, 20 or so recruiters and the majority of us are working within that accountancy and finance sector, um, which is where I've spent all my career. You've done some interesting research into the finance function. If we drew a Venn diagram, and I'm a former high school maths teacher, so a lot of our listeners, watchers will relate to that. There is a obviously a big overlap with the accounting and finance worlds. And uh, tell us a little bit about this piece of research that you've done. Chris, and what brought it about? Yeah, no, well, first thing is when we're talking about accountancy and finance, I think it's, it's one pool. So it's not financial um, services, it's all accountancy, basically. Um, so the reason we put the research together is that, you know, it's pretty obvious during the last few years and perhaps um, sped up a bit by the pandemic, um, that the skill sets required to, to reach the top or while you're in that top role have changed. Um, so we wanted to put a bit of research together, speaking to current leaders about what their journey was, but also asking them how they think that will be different for the next generation um, to try and help those people that are working their way through the ranks within accountancy and finance with um, with the ambition um, to get to that finance director um, or CFO um, type role. And if we're talking predominantly about accountants in industry and commerce or accountants in private practice or a little bit of both, Chris? Yeah, so a lot of the people that took part, which I'm sure will be covered off, started their careers within practice. Um, but this is very much focused at those that are within um, either the commercial world or within um, non-for-profit. Um, so outside of practice, it's not looking at your, your partners um, within practice or any of those. It is very much outside of that. You pick up on an interesting trend, though. We have heard anecdotally that accountants are leaving private practice and increasingly going into tech, going into commerce, going into industry. I don't know why that would be, but do you have any thoughts on that? Well, that, that's something I know when we discussed a few weeks ago, I'd say it's probably been the case um, throughout time. Right. Um, so I think that practices would say, and, and where I used to work, we have practice specialists. Um, would say that the hardest thing for them is probably keeping people once they get to qualification stage or a couple of years post-qualified, um, whether it's because a lot of the career route would still be audit, um, and obviously that can be quite draining, 
um, long hours, time away from home, um, or it's just to try and influence more of a commercial business on the growth path. You know, you could argue it either way, but I think it's a very good technical grounding for people. Um, but quite often it's, it's got a lifespan and it's probably a bit like you just said with recruiters. Um, an awful lot of people do it for a few years and then try and take that skill set and use it somewhere else. Do we see people going the other way, Chris, real quick? They're coming out of industry and commerce roles into private practice? Um, most private practices don't want people that have been trained within commerce. Is that right? Why is that? Because they're, they're not auditors. So that the, the time you will see it, and it does happen, um, is if the role is doing other companies' accounts while they're working for the, the practice. Um, or maybe some internal roles within the practice, but generally speaking, don't. What, what we did see a trend of is the practice sector has found it harder to retain talent or recruit new talent, is they would take people perhaps who'd started in practice, gone into commerce, and were willing to take the route back into it. Um, but it's, it's probably quite a rare thing for that to happen. Well, it's applaudable that you have not just stuck a finger in the air and say which way the wind is blowing in accounting and finance, but you've undergone some rigorous research here and we'll put a link to your survey into our show notes. Is there anything that surprised you when you conducted this or was it pretty much as you expected? Um, I don't know if, if surprise is the right word, but it's definitely different from when I've done the research in the past. Okay. Um, so I was involved in some probably 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and I guess if we take um, a very boring stat to start off with, when I did it all those years ago, you probably had 40% of FDs and CFOs that had been trained in ACA and started within practice, obviously doing that qualification. Um, and then there would have been a pretty even breakdown outside of that between SEMA and ACCA. Um, when we've done it this time, we found that the same percentage of people with ACA, so it was still around about, I think it's 39%, so the same number really, um, but there were also 39% of, of people in that in that role that were SEMA qualified, um, which would suggest that over the last 10, 15 years since I first looked at this, um, the role of an FD and CFO has definitely become um, more strategic, more business partnering, um, and the technical skills maybe aren't as important as they were um, when we looked at it a few years ago. And I think that, you know, again, I know you'll ask me a bit more later, and I don't want to spoil the surprise for everyone who's listening, um, but that role is becoming more and more strategic uh, and more and more commercial, more and more analytical. Um, and it's expected to continue that way um, and rapidly. Now, you've thrown a few abbreviations in there. We do have an international audience. CFO, obviously, Chief Financial Officer. FD is used a lot in the UK, Finance Director. You said some, some of the professional associations, Chris, just for our international audience, just uh, define those for us a little bit. Yep. Okay. So your ACA is your equivalent of what CPA, CA, depending on where people are. So you're going to get that qualification from working within an accountancy practice. A chartered accountant type of role. Yeah. So there's only a few commercial organizations that could even sign off um, that qualification. Um, SEMA is the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants. So traditionally, um, you would think that people who are doing that role were going to be management accountants and more commercial. Um, an ACCA um, was more for your um, technical, you might still do it in practice, but you could do it in commerce as well. Um, there's definitely been more overlap over the years with SEMA and ACCA, so I wouldn't say that one is purely commercial and, and one is, is more technical now. Um, but definitely with your ACA, then your chartered accountants are. So. You brought up an interesting stat with your demographics on 
the amount of women versus men in the profession, we know that 53% of accountants worldwide are female, 47% are men. That's taking an accounting degree, if you like, or some kind of qualification. But certainly in the accounting and finance cohort you looked at, 70-30, Chris, wasn't it? Yeah, so um, there's an awful lot more men in leadership roles um, than there are women. Um, interestingly, we, we also did a piece um, on how to reach the top in human resources, which is rather specialism here. Um, and that was the complete opposite um, when we did it. So um, the leadership roles in, in HR were more dominated um, by, by females. But no, in accountancy, um, it, it hasn't evened itself out still um, as the years have moved on. Uh, there are a number of reasons that were pointed out because we did try and dig a bit deeper into that. Um, but the major appears to have been um, around career breaks for maternity and then not being able to um, or not being given the opportunity to continue the career um, after having the break um, as rapidly as males um, and also I think it was the the lack of flexibility within the roles over the you know before the pandemic certainly um, hybrid working wasn't that common in the UK um, and part-time leaders probably there were less of them um, so we're hoping um, as we go forward that the change in working practices in the UK um, with more flexibility around start finish times and also where you work um, might give more opportunity to even that stat out as, as we move forwards. And it, no surprise, as you hinted earlier, that the CFOs and financial directors out there, they a lot of them, 53%, you say, have worked in an accounting practice. It shows that's a really good environment to breed these top financial leaders yep as i said before i think that would have been a higher stat 10 15 years ago but the the technical training that's given um is still very very valuable as you, as you move forwards um the majority of those as well will have worked within a, a big four practice so that that's been a sought after skill set for many years um as i say is is probably not going to be such a prerequisite going forward i don't think and that stat is dropping um, but it's still it's still very, a very valuable place to start, giving you a really good grounding and some um, great training. There's a lot of big money in the big four firms. Obviously, industry is competing salary-wise to get some of those people and, and lure them out. But why do you feel the dependence on the big four firms might drop, Chris? Moving forward to get to leadership roles, um, I just think it, it's the, the key skills that were being pulled out by the current leaders that future leaders will have were far less around technical accounting, less around audit, less around tax, um, less around the financial accounting piece, um, and far more around FP&A, um, so your financial planning and analysis, um, far more around data analysis, being able to take big data sets and actually interpret them, um, far more around storytelling of, of what data um, is saying and explaining that to a business. So it's just this whole business partnering um, was the, a much larger skill set that is being pulled out by leaders saying that's where people will come from. And potentially when you're doing audit, although you, you may well be having some commercial involvement um, with an organisation, um, you may not be getting as much of that as you could be if you're working in commerce from the beginning. Given your report is called uh, Route to the Top of Finance, uh, you put an in interesting quote in there that says, as long as you don't get yourself pigeonholed, in a transactional role and preferably study towards a professional qualification, the starting point for a career 
in finance doesn't really matter in the long term. Just unpack that a little bit for us, Chris. And I guess that's why I'm saying the reliance on the practice background may not be as high. Because mm. when you're really breaking it down and seeing where people are coming from, um, as long as they're getting eventually into this commercial piece um, and your, your FP&A, it doesn't necessarily make a huge difference where they've started. So um, the, the qualification is absolutely key, at least getting one. Um, so only 3% of, of leaders didn't have a recognised accountancy qualification. Um, and, and by that, I mean either a UK or, or one from um, abroad, because some of the people did have. Um, but some people will have started even doing purchase ledger or accounts payable. Some people will have started in an all-round transactional role, so getting involved with that credit, bank recs, whatever it might be. Um, but as long as they were using that as a grounding and then getting out relatively quickly in line with their studies, it, it doesn't seem to have held people back. Uh, and it's not thought that it will hold people back going forwards. We hear a lot about a well-rounded professional these days and need to have skills across a wider section of the business. We'll go on to that strategic insight in a while rather than just being transactional. But you have pointed out in your report that the globalisation, people are coming from different backgrounds, different countries. People are coming from outside finance into the finance function so hopefully the roles are in these leadership roles are embracing a whole range of backgrounds yeah i think so i mean if you, again when i looked into the data more although a, a percentage of those people will have worked outside of finance or outside of accountancy at some point during their career they either started and did a short period and then moved into accountancy and still probably started nearer the bottom um, or they got through part qualified, qualified, and then experienced other departments and moved back in. So it's not as easy as saying, go off and study in HR, um, do that for 20 years, and you can still end up a finance director, because I think that's probably going to be quite difficult, because you're still going to have to start at the bottom of accountancy if you do that. And even along the road, it can be a little bit rocky. You point out some factors that slow progression, those bumps in the road. And you said that nearly two thirds of people you surveyed felt that during the career, there'd been occasions when their progress had been slowed. Talk to us about some of those factors slowing progression. Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, we've already highlighted one of them, which is career breaks or having children. So that was that was quite a big one. Um, other than that, there's some people who bosses maybe didn't progress as quickly as they would like, so they felt they were held back beneath their boss. Um, you've got some people who would say that they, their face didn't fit um, or they didn't get on with their boss, so the, the normal human things, unfortunately, which, and again, without digging deeper into that, that's very much the person's opinion who hasn't progressed as quickly as they wanted to, whether it be perception or reality, but there, there was some of that within there as well. Um, so, most of it is normal stuff. I think um, not getting the qualification quickly enough held some people back um, or as quickly as they would have hoped. So if they're failing exams along the way, they might have felt that held up some of their progression. And some people found it difficult um, to put in the hours to progress at the same time as studying, um, which again is a, a common thing we hear of, especially if you're trying to do that study at the same time as other external factors, maybe having a family, um, which can be particularly difficult. A feature of finance and accounting qualifications traditionally has been the technical side you've got to know tax you've got to know the your way around a finance document but increasingly the soft skills are becoming important in leadership roles aren't they talk to us about what you found for what's needed in the future for leaders to progress in accounting and finance Chris yeah, sure so I guess there's a, a couple of 
bits you could focus in on. So firstly, I think from a day-to-day doing your own, own job while you're progressing is that business partnering piece. It is being able to talk to people at all different levels, analyze that data, and then, as, as we said, storytell or put it into a, a, a way that people who don't work within finance can understand it um, and add value commercially, whether that's cost savings, whether it's where to spend the money in order to get more back on your ROI. The other piece is, is your softer man management skills. The dreaded soft skills, huh? Yep. And, and that's definitely, again, a moving piece because traditionally you'd be sat with your team virtually every day unless you're managing global teams that are you know, elsewhere in the world. Um, but most people will have had experience of sitting with their teams nearly every day, um, maybe doing the job with them, maybe at least being able to pick up on conversations that are happening and feed in as they're happening to give feedback or, or help out. But since the pandemic with so much hybrid working, it is how you share your vision, how you manage to do your training, how you liaise with people without actually physically being with them all the time. And that's definitely a changing skill. The other is well-being, the pandemic, and it was probably happening before anyway, mm. highlight a, a number of problems in the UK around the way that companies worked with their staff um, around employee well-being and a bigger piece probably being mental health awareness and, and working with people around that. And that is more and more coming into management roles all the time. So I guess big skills, empathy is going to be right up there now, whereas maybe, maybe 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't. I'm sure many leaders would argue it was, but those type of skills are, are definitely more important um, and highlighted more now than perhaps they were. Could you pick up any generational differences, Chris? We've heard that we've lost a generation of communicators because the younger people coming through, especially having gone through COVID, they are more connected than ever before, but less socially oriented than ever before because you put them in a room and they're so used to being on their phones and being on virtual calls that they've lost those interactive face-to-face skills. From this, no, because that that's not probably, it probably wasn't as relevant to the people that we were um, reaching out to for their experiences. As you'll see, the, you know, people came into management at very different ages, which the report shows. Um, and you would probably argue that age isn't a barrier um, to progression within accountancy and finance based on the results that came out. But most of the people that would have been involved in the survey because they're already leaders wouldn't necessarily have come from a generation that you're describing. Because I guess my generation, I'm coming up to 45, were just about getting mobile phones. <laughs> but certainly couldn't do the stuff on them that you could have done that my children's mobile phones obviously yeah. can't so that that wouldn't really have come out I don't think but I mean arguably again in a, a more hybrid world um, who's to say that people that have grown up using mobile phones and communicating with people more remotely won't be in a better position to manage the people of the future than those of us that haven't grown up with that it's a fair point definitely And ultimately, it comes down to, you you asked the three soft skills in your report that will be needed for future generations. Communication comes top. Collaboration is another one. And strategic thinking. What is strategic thinking in your dictionary of life and business, Chris? So strategic thinking, I think, when we're we're describing it in this setting is, is again, it's probably being able to take the data um, from different areas, cut it in different ways to come out with decisions that are going to help the business 
um, strive, survive, whatever it might be, thrive. But th there's more and more usage at the moment of tools which potentially would not have been associated with accountancy previously. Um, there's almost an overlap at times with what we might have thought data science was going to be seven years ago. Um, but it's it's not just being able to pull the data out, it's then being able to interpret it to make business decisions, which will help, as I said before, maybe plant the money in the right area to help grow, maybe point out areas that you just don't even need to worry about so you could save yourself something because they're not part of what's really happening in the business. Technology comes out as a common thread in your report. We can't escape how fast things are moving, the digitization of the world. And we're not getting to the point where financial accounting professionals need to be able to write code, but they need to develop a skill set, Chris, don't they, that involves more than turning a computer on and off and knowing how to operate an Excel spreadsheet. I've talked about this quite a lot with people recently. So the emergence of, of AI um, and automation within accounting and finance, when you speak to this group of leaders, there, there wasn't a definitive answer to how much they think it will come into play. Um, and that could be because the, the cross-section of people that took part is so wide from companies with not an awful lot of money and not in a tech sector to very tech savvy and having the money to invest and, and try things out. Um, but without a doubt, we are the job roles we're recruiting more and more. Um, there are um, skills and systems required which wouldn't have been thought of as pure accountancy like Tableau or whatever it might be to to pull out that data and interpret it to be able to make decisions around it. Um, and I think there is a thought process that, you know, things around, I don't know, tax, some audit, those sorts of things moving forward, um, there is a level of automation which will take a lot more of the manual tasks out. Just circling back on your comment on well-being, with finance and accounting functions, the data is there. It's very black and white. It's binary, it's numeric in a way, but this need for a better management skills and empathy, it's creating a, an animal that is uh, got to have a foot in all camps, the technology, the finance, the people side of things. Does that make it harder to get into this role? Because the geeks and the nerds and the people that love the numbers are going to be attracted by that stuff. But there's so much more to this role now. As I said, I've been doing this for 23 years now. There's an interpretation of what an accountant is, which I don't think is necessarily true. So without a doubt, there will have been people years and years ago that worked for manual ledgers um, who would be very traditional in the way they worked and they'd be very, very numbers orientated and maybe not much outside of it. But really, most of the people that I've worked with over the years who run big finance teams are social, fun, um, empathetic and also, you know, really strong business acumen and understand the numbers. Um, so I'm not sure the nerdy, geeky accountant is something I should get into because I think it's more of a myth and a joke than necessarily a, an overall reality. Slap on the wrist for me for pigeonholing and stereotyping accountants. I, I... No, you can, but I definitely have to work with these people every day. So. <laughs> yeah, you uh, conclude the report by saying this is a time for new leaders. And uh, one fascinating stat you found, Chris, was that 43% of the leaders that took part in your survey don't see themselves in a finance leadership role in five years' time. What's going on there? Okay, so part of it will be age. Um, so I'm sure that if you ask most people around the age of 50 um, what they want to do in five years' time, they'll all say they want to retire even though that they know they probably can't. Um, so part of it will be age. Um, with some of them, again, you know, you, you're talking about people that are in really commercial roles. 
Um, so they'll see themselves starting their own business, going into a CEO role, or maybe there's a, a group of people as well that see themselves going into the interim market instead and doing more project-based roles. So there's, there's a lot of different reasons for it, but without doubt, the conclusion is that, that you know, there is a time for new leaders to start stepping up in the next five years. And again, if we did this survey again in that time, it'd be very interesting to see what route they'd come through, because I think it will be more and more of the commercially minded people that are at the top. Chris has been an excellent uh, tour de force of what it takes to get to the top in finance and accounting. Would you just conclude for us with a few words of, of wisdom and inspiration, really, to the finance and accounting professionals listening who want to get on, want to be good leaders? What would you say to them and the key things they need to be working on to stay relevant, stay competitive and be employable? I've done a couple of interviews with, with people that have made it to CFO later, uh, lately um, around this report and, and just what they thought. And most of them would just say be inquisitive. Yeah, curious. Yeah, be curious, be inquisitive. Try and find a mentor um, within the business that you're in or outside who you respect and look up to. But just get involved in stuff. You know, you've got to do your day-to-day -day job most of the time, but try and get involved in projects outside of it. Try and speak to non-finance people about how the business really works. Just try and get that really um, strong overall understanding of what's going on. Um, from a, then a very practical sense, make sure that you are studying towards a professional qualification or you've got one, um, because you are probably going to need it as well. Um, and try and stay on top of, of the changes that are happening within the industry that you work in from a, a tech perspective um, and get an understanding of that so that you want, you know, you've got a, an understanding of, of where things are going to. Um, so yeah, probably those, if that was three things, those three things. And, and the final sidebar on this, Chris, you're in recruitment, you are placing finance and accounting professionals all the time. What is a good tip for companies to attract better talent and make engagement of people like you so much easier that you can place people and they stay there? I think it's important to try and see recruiters as partners and not CV shufflers and senders. Yeah. So if you're a good recruitment consultant, then you will be meeting the people that you are working with and understanding what drives them and what they're trying to get to. And if a business is willing to give you the time to get to know them, to understand their drivers, then the matching process becomes a lot easier. Um, if you are just recruiting based on price the whole time and not willing to engage in that relationship with it, then you'll just get sent a lot of CVs and you won't necessarily be interviewing the people that are right for you. Uh, you may not know that because you are literally just getting the cvs that essentially without having a discussion about what you're really looking for and and us understanding what the candidate is to match it for you cvs curriculum vitae resumes as we would say internationally but it, more than that chris it is about having an employer brand or a culture that makes your organization a great place to work that's going to help your kind of work hasn't it? yeah so again i, I think i told you I, I was lucky enough to judged the best business to work for in the Thames Valley um, for five years in a row. Um, and a lot of the time I'd go and visit businesses the first year I did it anyway, and I'd see they had a bar and I'd think, oh, wow, this is amazing. They've got a pool table. Um, oh, this is amazing. But really it's, it's down to training progression, um, having a, a strong communication in, in lots of different ways, sharing your company vision um, and accepting ideas bottom up rather than just pushing everything top down um, and again if any organization that is recruiting thinks that people don't go onto their glass door 
um, and look at what reviews they've got, then they're, they're probably mistaken. So it's really, really important um, to try and get their employee brand out there in a positive sense to employ and retain the best talent. Good time to be in accounting and finance, Chris? I think it's always a good time to be in accountancy and finance. So, you know, it's, it's a skill set or a bunch of skill sets that are needed um, within businesses. Um, so is it the best time ever? Probably not, but it's never going to be the worst either. So, you know, it's a skill set that is pretty recession-proof. People need it. That's a great message to finish on. Chris Golding from Wade McDonald being brilliant talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. Thanks a lot, Mark. Cheers. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Advanced Track, helping you as an accountant confidently choose between outsourcing and offshoring. Mm-hmm.